Okay, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. Two things that will change, that's for sure, if he's back, is the implementation of younger players in our lineup, and we're going to practice more. Rest is a weapon. If I hear that one more time, I'll go crazy. It's episode 38 of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm with two guys who rest too much and one who's already crazy. Those guys are Chris Parliament, Brandon Piller, and Jeremy Hewson. Also, Brendan Purdy here with us. He'll be with us later on as well for some Prairie Fire and Prospect pick them. But first, you heard Pierre Dorian. Not quite a vote of confidence for his head coach. They say evaluations are ongoing, should be in about two or three weeks that they decide the fate of not only Guy Boucher, but they said it's an evaluation of the coaching staff top to bottom, from the assistant coaches to the video coaches, you name it, they're under the microscope. Uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaway of Dorian's season-ending press conference? Well, 41 minutes worth. There was a lot going on there. Um, one One of the biggest things that I took away, which... Typically, the Senators have nothing to do with is Pierre Dorian said buyouts will be an option. And I mean, I think if anyone's looking at buyout options in the league, the Senators have two or three of uh, the most buyout likely candidates, Bobby Ryan, Marion Gabrick, just to name a few, especially Bobby Ryan. So hearing that at least now they're they're considering buyouts is good news for me because that tells me this team is looking back on their rules and mistakes. Yeah. They're admitting and, that and they've deciding made mistakes. that they, they can change from that. Another typical sense rule is they don't draft Russians. Someone asked uh, Pierre Dorian, Ian Mendez, Ian, Ian Mendez our boy uh, asked him if there's a Russian available, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Sveshnikov, will the sense draft him? And Pierre Dorian said, despite their uh, previous draft history, if the best player available is Russian, they will draft him. So there's another good uh, sign that they're open to change and going to be a little more open-minded yeah, going we'll, forward. Yeah, we'll get to all the draft talk in just a little while, but I want to jump on your your first point because they said they discussed buyouts with multiple players. So that kind of made me start thinking that Bobby Ryan contract still has a lot of money left to the tune of $22 million. Dollars, Parliament, is it realistic that Bobby Ryan is bought out this summer? Well, I mean, not really. You look at around the team and you can't have that much wasted cap space. You're already paying for Dion Phaneuf's contract, what I, which I feel like is a little bit of a forgotten part of that Gabrick trade, you know? And another name I want to throw out there is Alex Burroughs. You, you mentioned uh, Ryan and Gabrick, but I think Alex Burroughs could certainly be a guy that... I think doesn't really have a lot of future left. One year Especially, left on his deal, though, with Burroughs. I think that that's the thing. You, you, you just, just eat, eat it. it. You just eat it and bury him because you. How many buyouts do you get? Two. I believe so. Yeah. So if you're gonna use a buyout, make it make it count. I just hate to see him come back after that egregious ten game suspension he took against Taylor Hall. Yeah. Still not very big of a fan of his. I don't really see much. Especially with Max McCormick on a one-year deal, that fourth line, you can't put that many players on a fourth line, guys. you gotta have, you got to make some decisions on these guys. But also, going back to the Sens, uh, noticing mistakes and changing, uh, we heard off the top, Dorian talking about Boucher, how they're going to implement more young players into the lineup. Boucher has been uh, advocating for how great Burroughs is in this locker room and, and all the good things Burroughs does. 
maybe now finally the management team has pointed out Boucher's mistakes in putting so much faith in those guys. We saw a bunch of Boucher's toys being shipped away. Um, but let's remember Oduya. that Dorian, Dorian brought in these toys for him. So I think Dorian has to take a lot of the blame for that as well. But he does. But now he's saying that won't happen anymore. But he's also backtracking in the press conference saying he wants Boucher to implement more youth into the lineup. So Burroughs is certainly not a young guy. That's what I'm saying. So the, it, it seems like they finally got their head on straight and they're not going to just be giving minutes to these veterans that Boucher has so much high praise for. And just for to quantify all this, on Cat Friendly, you can do a buyout chart. And in the case of Marion Gabrick, so he'd be 36 years old at the time of buyout. He's got $10.825 million remaining on that. So the buyout is two-thirds. So the buyout cost would be $7.2 million. It would be spread out over six years. So the annual cost would be $1.2 million for Gabrick. Is that cost or cap it? That would be the cost. Okay. The, the cap, the cap? It, it would change each year. Um, I will look that one up, but with Bobby Ryan, um, he would be spread over eight years at 1.8 per year. That is not... That's something you can't commit to right now. No, and and he's proven in the playoffs two years ago that he can still play at a high level. It's just, he, to me, would almost seem like a guy who eventually would be more fit for the long-term injured reserve. This guy seems to find himself on the shelf, um... Like four or five Every times 10 a season. Games. Every 10 games. Yeah, so when you look at that, and I'm just pulling up Gabrick, so the cap hit would um, go, the first year would be $1.5 million, then $2.9, then $3 million cap hit in the third season, and then $1.2, $1.2, $1.2 in the final three seasons. And let's remember, this is a guy whose cap hit is 4.87. So you're nowhere near that cap hit in general, but I don't think the Senators are, are very weary of the cap hit. It's more what the salary they would have to give out would be. It, it's gonna, It would take a very big change in direction for us to see a real buyout. Yeah, and I think you don't, you don't need to really get very serious about the buyouts until... Um, until you're looking at Carlson and Duchesne's contracts moving moving forward. That's when you need that extra money because you know Carlson, if they sign him, and we all hope they do, he's getting a big bump. And then also, you have to look at Duchesne. You need to keep those guys around. So really, I think you can, you can give Ryan and Gabrick maybe this year as a buffer year to really show us what you got. If they don't produce, then... Then you buy them both out that season to make money for those big contracts coming up. Your number one defenseman and your number one center. That's priority. And among that, they're both going to get raises. Matthew Shane currently making $6 million. Eric Carlson, 6.5. And how about the raise that Mark Stone's going to get from $3.5 million the past two seasons? He is due for at least, I would say, a double in salary. I would offer at least. Him, I would offer him 8 by 8 but I, I think that he's the piece of this core that you cannot and really can't afford to let go. Um, and to that point, one of the things Dorian mentioned in his press conference was that the model needs to be better on how they align their dollars. They can't keep putting guys like Burroughs, who are $2.5 million players, on the fourth line. They're not allowing themselves enough flexibility up top. Now, he also mentioned that his five best exit interviews was Eric Carlson, Matt Duchesne, Mark Stone, Craig Anderson and Mark Borowiecki were, were kind of interesting names thrown in there. They said they were tough conversations, but they had to happen. Um, I, I'm assuming we can pencil Mark Borowiecki in to the 5-6 role, but is there, is there a chance we might see him in the top four to start next season? I mean, we saw Johnny Oduya in the top two this year, <laughs> so really nothing is impossible. 
You look at Mark Borowiecki, though, this is a guy that kind of changed his game at the end of last year. It'd be interesting to see, be a fly on the wall in that interview, just to see what he thinks his future should be with the concussion problems that have been pretty well documented this year. And if you talk about his game and his role on the team coming into this season, it's physicality, you're the bruiser, you're the tough guy. Next season, we saw him grow a little bit. His skating's starting to get there a little bit more, and I don't see him in a top four role. That's not ideal, but in a 5-6, I'm comfortable with Borowiecki on the team. Another guy that he didn't mention as one of the top five, though, Thomas Shabbat, another defenseman, and I like the love he was giving him, saying he was an extremely mature young defenseman, and that was maybe kind of one of the things we were worried about at the beginning of the year, that uh, that level of professionalism, and clearly that doesn't seem to be an issue anymore. I've had a lot of respect over the years of watching hockey of NCAA players coming into the league a little bit older, a little bit more refined, and this year I gained a lot more respect for it, and I got a lot of joy watching Christian Willein play, the way he played comfortably with the puck in the offensive end. We saw him behind the opposing team's net at some point. So I think that that's a guy at already, I think, 21 years old, is a guy that can definitely battle for a spot next year. And I have no problem with him playing a 5-6 role with Borowiecki next season if you've got Eric Carlson back playing with Thomas Shabbat. I think just in the short time that he had it in an Ottawa Senators uniform this year, and it was under 10 games for sure, um, he's already jumped, in my opinion, guys like Ben Harper and Freddie Clayson on, on, this, on this depth chart. So I yeah. think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you don't give him an opportunity. It was actually 10 games on the dot. He had three points. Uh, the minus four was a, a big part of that was the uh, the game against uh, Connor McDavid and the Oilers where uh, Mike Hoffman got absolutely turn-styled. And... But did he get turnstiled? He didn't move. Yeah, what do you, what <laughs> like would you call he, it? Just he put a pylon? Yeah, he put that on himself. Not not to say that McDavid's move wasn't good, but he didn't even try. So on that point, Dorian mentioned that Mike Hoffman was a player they challenged this offseason, saying he has elite skill, elite skating, elite shot, but sometimes the effort might not be there. I love it. That's something you need in this team because on, after a season like that, guys can get their feet stuck in the mud a little bit and say, well, where are we going with the team? Especially with this many questions heading in, I think the biggest thing for Mike Hoffman this offseason is be the answer. I mean, there's so many questions going around the team right now. Who's going to be there next year? Who's going to be on that top line with them? Who's going to be on the power play? Be the guy on the power play. Go through this offseason like you're the number one option on the power play next year. And I hope he isn't. I sincerely hope he isn't. But if he has to be, he, he's got to be ready if this team wants to find success. It, so, it, I mean, he's got to be the guy. And he that's the way he has to work out this offseason. With his 22 goals, this was the lowest total since he's been a, a full-time NHLer in his rookie year. Well, rookie played t- 25 games, which would count as being a rookie where he only scored three goals. But he was the captain of the Binghamton Senators that year. But since he's been a full-time NHLer, 27 goals, 29 goals, 26, and now 22. And for the first time in his career, he was a minus, and not only a minus, but a minus 20. Um, and th- this is a guy who they paid. They they didn't ask him for a hometown discount. I thought it was a very fair deal, uh, about $5.1 million cap hit for a four-year deal. Is that the kind of deal you would like to see, let's say, a guy like Matt Duchesne sign? Uh, a four-year, maybe $22, $25 million deal. You think he'd even take that realistically? No, I don't think so. The only way I would see Matt Duchesne taking anything... What's he at now? Six? Yeah. Yeah, six. You know what? I gotta be honest. I misspoke. I was. I meant to say Ryan Dezingle, who's an RFA this year, but will be a UFA after next season. Rather, he is signed through next season, but will be a UFA. What what do you think he's do? He was one of the senators who had a bright, bright season. I think with Dezingle... 
I, I have a lot of high hopes for Dezingle and I love his style of game, but I'm just worried that this could be a bit of a Colin Greening situation where one season he puts up uh, 20 plus goals and it looks really promising and then he just can't follow it up. So really, I I would like to see Dezingle, you give him some sort of bridge deal. Two, two years, maybe three and a half, three and a half mil. See, see if he can really bring it. And then if he does, then then you pay the man and keep him in your top six because I think there's a lot of potential for Dezingle. I just don't want to get into a situation where you lock him up for four or five years at four or five million and then he doesn't pan out. But Ross, you did bring up a good point though with the Duchesne. Did he lower his value this year or is it the same? No. Is it a little bit more? His value is not lower. He played I'm not incredibly. Saying it's be, I think he... he, look, he at, look at the past three years he's had. He's not putting up superstar level goals he's he's a good player he's not putting up elite level points he's a playmaker his, his stretch his last stretch with the senators was fantastic no doubt but if he's still making around that six a, a bit that's still a very good salary yeah a little bit more but you can't think he's going to be asking for that much more than that yeah i, th- I think, it's I think he's seven. around eight really i i, I think put, so. i put him at seven or even so under that's basically what he's getting already yeah, well, if you're willing to pay Carlson what I would assume would take $10 million a year to, to bring back, and then if I'm Dorian, I lock up Mark Stone, and then once those two pieces are, are in place, then you start looking at Matt Duchesne and what he wants. He's made it clear that he wants to stay in the same place for a while. He had that reputation of being a guy that wants to be out in Colorado. I don't think it would look too good if after one season in Ottawa, he's already starting to kind of get the wheels turning on moving to a third team here. And he's not from Ottawa, but he's back home now. This is you saw. Oh, he's not a local boy from Quebec City. (laughs) Yeah, Halliburton, uh, hometown Ottawa boy, eh? Yeah, you missed that last week. uh, We were talking about local guys in Ottawa. He's like, well, well, Linen's a local kid from Quebec City. (laughs) (laughs) So you, but you saw Matt Duchesne. He was able to spend. The holidays with his family this year, and that looked like something that was very important to him. He definitely he was on all the social media saying how excited he was that that was an opportunity for him, and I think that'll translate. You know, these guys these guys do have lives, and that's a big part of it. And he said that he's dying for the Senators to come back and go back into a postseason run because he's never had that in his career. Right? He's had one kind of get his feet wet in the postseason. But I just want to go back to Ryan Dezingle really quick. And it's kind of a baseball mantra, I guess you could say, but I don't think speed slumps. And if he's able to keep his feet moving and you put him on a line where he's able to get the puck and somebody's able to get him the puck, I think he's going to be a guy that can continuously get the get things rolling offensively early and often throughout his career if you're able to sign him for the next four or five years. I think that's someone that will consistently produce for you. But he's got to learn how to hit the net. And to that point, though, he's another guy that the Sens drafted, and we've talked about it in the past on this show, that they've been trading away some of their young prospects that they drafted. And you look at the Winnipeg Jets, that team was built off of the prospects that they drafted, and the Senators, for a long time, were successful doing that. So maybe you try to go back to that, look at Wingles for a little bit longer, and try to uh, go back to that style of drafting and developing. This angle, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, I know the the names are so close. Said Tommy Wingles, who uh, was on the wrong end of Nazem Kadri's hip. The Did other I say day. Tommy Wingles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's, I meant his angle. Yeah, Wingles did not practice this morning. Uh, don't not sure if he's ready for tonight's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But no, back to Ryan Dezingle. He was invited but de- de- declined an opportunity to go to the World Championships. Unfortunately, his girlfriend is dealing with some health issues. We wish 
uh, them the best of luck, but it could open a door for Colin White. There's uh, been mutual interest for him to go to the World Championships. Right now, he's back in Belleville. We'll finish the season out there. They play, I believe, four more games. Um, it, their, their season is winding down. We'll get to On the Farm a little bit later as well. But White might be there. We know Thomas Shabbat's going to be playing for Canada. We know Jean-Gabriel Pajot will be playing for Canada. But another name that's been added to a team is... Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Magnus Piarvi. That's that's the one that got away from me. <laughs> I had no idea. And he's uh, he's the unrestricted free agent uh, coming up this year. He got, was claimed off of waivers about halfway through the season. Did you see enough of of him that you'd like to see him back? Yeah, I, I think he's a guy on the fourth line again. There's only three spots on the fourth line, but he's a guy that can contribute offensively. I like his drive to the net. I think that he's a guy that is... Big enough and has the speed to get through the no- neutral zone in today's NHL with the puck. But his drive to the net, I like his ability to use his size, lean on the defender, get to the front of the net. And we saw that he's, he also created a lot of second and third opportunities. He doesn't blow by the net. He stays on the net and he's able to battle for rebounds and stuff like that. So I think that's something that will add nicely to the fourth line in today's NHL. Speed, a little bit of size and can contribute a little bit offensively. I don't expect much, but a little bit's nice. And Brandon, we might see a few young guys get an opportunity in the World Championships. Pierre Dorian's press conference also announced that Philip Gustafsson will be at Team Sweden's camp for the World Championships. And same with Philip Schlappick. Uh, Schlappick's an interesting name that I'd like to get into a little more. Maybe another spot on the fourth line? How many do we have now? But um, So he the left... The Sens have about three fourth lines, so... <laughs> yeah, well, there's lots of room for them then. But Schlappick left Belleville with 32 points, was leading the team in scoring. He played the last month in Ottawa. Goes back, gets a goal and an assist in his return last night. Guess what? Still leads the team in scoring. Is this a detriment to Belleville, or is this... Well, and who who's right behind him in scoring but Parlin's boy, Billy Polka. Billy Polka. So I thought you were saying I was behind him, and I was like, geez, good for me. Um, so obviously Belleville, when your two top point getters, one of them uh, spent a lot of time playing in the NHL, and the other guy spent most of his time getting points with another AHL team. So obviously some clear problems going on in Belleville, but... Going back to what we were talking about, great for Schlappick and Payarvi. I think uh, any opportunity you can get to be around uh, great players. We talked about this with Shabbat. Uh, being around guys like uh, Barzell, McDavid, that, that's only going to help your game. And when you finish 30th place, I think playing hockey with different players and getting some excitement back in your game is a good thing. So... I'm all for it. The more players that uh, go to the World Championship for me, the better. And it'd be great for Colin White to uh, do that as well. Well, we know Colin White's had success wearing the Team USA jersey before. Seven goals in seven games in the last World Juniors. We don't like the way that ended with a Canada shootout loss. Of course, Colin White getting in on the shootout fun too in that game. He was an animal in that tournament. Um, Moving on to other UFAs and RFAs, we'll just kind of go around and say, would you bring them back? Would you try to trade them this offseason? Or are you just going to walk away from them? So uh, first one, I've already told you this guy is is my core piece, but Mark Stone, what do you do with him this summer? MVP, he's got to stay. This is a guy that you don't want to hand him a blank paycheck or anything, but this is a guy you, you want on your team. He's uh, one of the sense pickups, or draft picks, sorry. That late, I late pick as well. Exactly, that you know. Thanks, Alex Ald. That you know Jer will love, and this is a guy you got to bring back. I don't think I really have to... Sit here. And well, no, no, but long term or short term? Are you okay oh, with a bridge deal with them? 
long term. I I want him around. This is a guy that should be a senator for life. I think. And like I don't I don't think I have to sit here and rifle off accolades <laughs> for the guy. You see it in his play every night. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's got to be long term. I mean, this is a guy that's only getting better. Uh, pretty much all aspects of his game are solid. He, like you said, he was until he went down late in the season. He was the Senators' MVP. And I don't see any benefit in giving him a bridge deal because then he's just going to want a raise on that deal when it's done. I would rather you lock him up, get him for at least five years, and that way you know he's a part of your core. And it's just great seeing Mark Stone in a Sens uniform, and I would hate to have to watch him anywhere else. No, unanimous. Yeah, I would agree with that, of course. And we're going to go from who made the most to the least amount of money this past season. So uh, at $2.8 million, he was on a two-year bridge deal. Cody Ceci. This this is a big offseason for the Senators. Uh, the Senators organization, is val- I, I would say, has overvalued Cody Ceci since the second he was drafted, it seems. He had a great rookie year. Yeah, local boy. That was it. Ottawa 67, right? Yeah. Or that, he is a local boy, yes. Um, but I just... It's at the point now where you've really you've really forced him into that second pairing role and it just has failed and failed and failed and failed. I think that's one of the biggest problems I have with Guy Boucher is his stubbornness to always run out Fanouf and CeCe against other teams' top lines. They got buried every single night. There's no like you can't give them you couldn't have given the center's coaching stats more uh, stats proving why CC and Fanuf were awful. Like it was all over the board, everywhere. They were the worst second pairing defense pair in the league. Like it's just crazy. So I I think you you really need to find a trade partner for Cody CC, whether that's sign and trade or just trading, getting a team to have the rights to sign him. He's got to go at this point. There's. There's not money in the organization for him for what he'll want. Move on. The ship sailed when Funuf left town. I mean, that was the one guy where you think, okay, well, Cody CC had that one good tournament at the World Championships two well, summers ago. They brought Funuf in to stabilize exactly. him. Exactly. And let him try and scratch away at that offensive ceiling that the Senators, for some reason, thought he had. It didn't work out. You're done with him. Move on. It doesn't have to be a long, overwhelming ordeal that we have to deal with him on the second unit every night. He needs to move on, and so do the Senators. Because you don't want to pay him. What's the point? Exactly. And, I mean, even if uh, we talked about this a little bit off-air before the show, uh, Jerry, you're saying it would just be terrible to trade him and then watch him blossom and be the defenseman that he was touted to be. But at this point, I don't care. He's not that defenseman with the Senators, so he has to move on, even if it means watching him score goals against the Senators in a Habs jersey. I don't care. It's it's not his time. You got to move on. Minus thirty eight in the last two years combined. I don't. I know. I I did say that to you earlier, but I meant specifically within the division. I don't want them to trade him to Montreal and have him blossom in Montreal or in Toronto. I know that probably wouldn't happen. Trade him to California or. Edmonton's looking for a right shot. Somewhere dude. far away where you don't have to at least see him. And if he does blossom, you don't have to face him four to five times a year. That's the point I was trying to make. Yeah, good good discussion there. But uh, we move on to another guy who's in and out of the lineup this season. Only played 64 games. Was often a healthy scratch. Frederick Clayson. I prefer... I would rather take a shot on Freddie Clayson than take a shot on Cody Cece. At this point, this guy's a good skater. I haven't seen things that have turned me off from him. And as a defenseman... 
you think you as they play you start to see little things in their their game and if they continue to get worse then that's when you have to move on freddie clayson i never had that i always thought he brought something to the table don't put him in a top four role and again now my bottom pairing's filling up again you got a lot of fourth line third pairing defensemen on this team a lot boxers but that freddie clayson now i say i haven't seen anything wrong in his game Neither of other teams, so maybe you throw him in on a deal that sweetens the pot for another team. A lot of this defensive talk, though, might be for nothing if they do end up signing or getting that number one overall pick, let's be honest. Yep, definitely. Yeah, very fair. I mean, Freddie Clayson, to me, just didn't take that next step. He had 11 points in only 33 games last season. He was very stable, only playing 13 minutes. He averaged almost two minutes higher this season, but one goal in 64 games for a guy who does have offensive capabilities just frankly, isn't good enough. I didn't really see enough out of Freddie Clayson that I'd offer him a big contract by any means. And by big, I mean a million dollars. I wouldn't even go near that. He made 650000 this year. So that's uh, all the RFAs who are who were on the roster. So there were one other UFA. We already touched on Magnus Piarvi. And Chris Weidman started the season really strong, tore his hamstring, and that was it. Do you bring him back? I, I say you bring Chris Weidman back. There's a lot of things I liked from him. Uh, bottom pair? Yeah, bottom, I I have him. <laughs> funny enough, I do have him on the bottom pair with Boro. This is the worst uh, team ever. That's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my projected lines. Hey, Vegas made a great team out of three third lines, so the Sens are going to make a great team out of four fourth lines. All right, it's happening. Uh, but like I was saying, I like Chris Weidman a lot. It's so unfortunate that he had big of Genny Malkin fall on him and push the splits through him and he missed like six, seven months. So I give him another chance. I, I would like to give him a deal similar to Boro. Two years, 1.2. Give him some time and because I thought he he had good, uh, he was a good puck moving defenseman. He did all right. They missed that. Yeah, he did all right on that second power play unit and especially when the Sens trade Cody Cece, you're going to want another right-handed <laughs> defenseman there. So I say keep Chris Weidman. Over, I would say over Clayson for oh, sure. Easily. I yeah. 100% agree with that. But one thing that caught me off guard was he had that post earlier in at the end of the season, him packing up a big moving truck and heading back to St. Louis. Yeah. And he posted something today saying home sweet home. I know that has nothing to do with that. He's just there for the off season. But why pack a massive trailer? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean... Yeah. Can't hide with social media anymore, right? And uh, w- let's go to some RFAs that are here. Kaparli, what do you got? Yeah, I just want to hop in and say that I agree with Brennan. Uh, you, you keep him over you, over Freddie Clayson. I think he's got uh, a higher ceiling. And we saw it at the start of this season before, again, you painted a pretty bad word picture there with Gino falling on him. But one thing with him is I said with Freddie Clayson, a word picture? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving right along. As mentioned with Freddie Cleason, he never did anything that kind of faltered his play. But with Chris Weidman, he came up as that guy that was always able to find the shot lane, was his big calling card. And that definitely slipped. And last year we saw it slip late in the season in a stretch run and in the playoffs. So that's something that I think he needs to work on, I guess, in St. Louis this summer, as Jared reported. But... Uh, I think that's a little bit of a knock against his game, but I still think he has a higher ceiling than Clayson. So we've covered all the regular NHLers from last year, but there's a few guys who are in the system, and this next guy I'm going to mention has been in the system, I think, too long. So do you just let Nick Paul go? Yes. Like, like this is like your prize from the Jason Spezza trade. Yeah, 
He's take he's, the he's L done. And move on. He he's had all the opportunities. There he's had every single chance to prove himself. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. He just he is. He just he is. He just doesn't hundred <laughs> percent. His his role just isn't defined. And again. He would be a great fourth line guy, but we're running out of spots for that. So I say <laughs> I at this, even, I don't even at this think point, he's a fourth liner. He's not an NHL player. No, I he can't skate. I don't understand why the organization hasn't bought him a right skate and let him just have two <laughs> left skates his whole career. But in fairness, you said take the L on it. But you look at what what's happening with Jason Spezza in Dallas. It kind of makes it seem he's a little a bit Ryan easier. Deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at least in that case, it's not as bad as it could have been. If you want to quantify just how bad we believe Nick Paul has been in. 11 NHL games this year. He had one goal, no assists. One game last year. They didn't even call him up after he played 24 games in his initial year. Uh, How do you do in Belleville? Uh, 26 points in 52 games and a minus 19. Yeah, that's not going to be good enough. Uh, I say cut the cord with him and, and move along. Leafs will pick him up. He'll play with Colin Greening for the Marlies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Vili Poca, quickly. Do you like what, what you saw at him watching Belleville? I love Vili Poca. Keep him. Let him play one more year in the AHL and then bring him up. I think he can be a I think he can be a steady top six guy. Slot him in there with eight other guys on that bottom pairing, and I'll be happy. I think we can all agree, although he scored one goal in one game with the Sens this year, we all want Sample Pat Seeloff off the team. Yeah. Pat Seeloff, you can go. See you later. Respect Clark MacArthur. Beat it. A uh, couple other UFAs for Belleville. I think two of these were definitely mistake signings where Randy Lee just overvalues grit, as he typically does. Max Reinhardt. Tyler Randall and Michael Blunden, all three are UFAs. You just cut them all loose. I mean, Michael Blunden's the captain of the Belleville Senators. I like Reinhardt. I like Reinhardt. I think he's a quality AHL player. He can play top line minutes for you in Belleville. And you need that. Exactly. Like, if you look at You Phil, have to fill a roster. Well, if we're putting everyone on the top or on the bottom two lines on the big club, you have to fill a roster in Belleville. Yeah, that's fair. And in the case of uh, of quality AHLers, you remember Phil Veroni, who played a couple games with Ottawa. But that's was, who I was going to mention, yeah. actually. Yeah. And and he had a good, uh, good he won season. MVP. Yeah. He was with Philly's team, right? The Phantoms? Um, yeah. Also, another thing, like you guys were talking about, when I did an interview with Joel Vanderlaan, the uh, Belleville reporter, he had a similar comment. Like, all the Sens fans, they want to see Schlappick, White, all these guys playing top six big minutes. But sometimes it's detrimental to put these young players in too, too uh, serious of situations. So you need those older guys who maybe have had a cup of coffee in the NHL but have years of AHL experience under their belt that can handle those situations while you can mold and uh, develop your prospects properly. So you do need guys like that. And yeah, I was looking at Philip uh, Veroni this morning and wondering why the Sens let this guy go. I think he had 52 points last year with uh, Bingo, which is saying a lot. Yeah, well, they were saying that he's the kind of player where he can get away with being a step slower at the AHL level, but really is one of those fringe guys who will never commit But to that's fine. As we said, we don't need any more fringe guys hopping in that fourth line. I would be totally down with having a guy like Veroni just staying in the AHL, and that's your role. Just put up 40, 50 points in the AHL, and that's it. I I don't know if you mentioned Tyler Randall, Ross, but that's a guy I think that should stay, stick around. He's a guy that can uh, throw a couple punches. I like his play against the Marlies a lot this year, seeing him a few times play it. And those are the type of guys I think you need in the AHL to fill out a roster. Yeah, still kind of weirds me out seeing the number 11 on the back of a, a Senator's template That does need a change, organization-wide. And yeah. I, I don't know if that got lost in translation going from Bingo to Belleville. 
I don't know what happened there, but I don't understand why anyone's wearing 11. Yeah, so that's your Senators RFA, UFAs coming up this season. But the Senators who were on the team cleaned out their garbage bags last week. And we want to play you this clip from the captain. There's a lot of noise surrounding what his future could bring. Here's what his plans are coming up in the next little while. Yeah, there's always a possibility uh, that that's going to be the case, unfortunately. Uh, it's not what I hope for. It's not something that I'm planning on happening. Uh, but yeah, there there is. I think that uh, uh, you know, with what we went through this year, it's going to be a, a few changes, and and you know, hopefully, I'm not one of them, and, and I'm gonna have to deal with that as we move along here this summer. But I'm I'm still hopeful that uh, you know, uh, the puck that I picked up is is not going to be the one that uh, you know it's going to be the last. We've seen so many stars come through Ottawa and end up asking for a trade: Danny Heatley, Jason Spezza, among others. That does not sound like a guy who wants to leave this team. That guy's in a tough spot in his life right now, and with all these cameras and microphones in front of him, the decision still is going to be not entirely his, and he still has a year left on his contract. And right now, with all the things swirling, he's at home right now. He's at home with his wife right now, and with so much things happening, he already mentioned he wants to retire in Ottawa. So right now, I agree with you. This is a guy that wants to stick around, and I hope he does. Carlson, not the only guy who wants to stick around. It seemed like the theme of Garbage Bag Day was, we know this core can be better. We'd love the opportunity. We know there'll be changes, but we think it can get done. And most notably, I think Matt Duchesne hit it on the head. We already spoke about kind of his mindset going into the summer. But is it realistic to think that this core, we've already talked about all the bottom six players, but now let's shift the focus to the top six guys, the the core of this team, the Hoffmans, the Duchesnes, the Stones, the Carlsons, and I think that's really the core at this point. Can they get it done? Absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at what those players have done over the last couple of years, it's been top six worthy and even beyond. So now that you have that elite number one centerman in Duchesne, if you can convince Hoffman to buy in and really, really put 110% effort in, and then if you can lock down Stone, keep Carlson around, I think... Everything you can build around those guys once you free up some money with potential buyouts or trades. Yeah, definitely some good talent in that top core. But is it enough? I'm looking at other teams like the elite teams in the league right now. Tampa, Nashville, Winnipeg. Those teams are built so much deeper when it comes to cores. Like Paul Stasny is like the fifth or sixth best forward on the Jets. It's not Auto still doesn't have enough up front talent-wise, to compete. But that comes but, with drafting, like yeah, the Winnipeg yeah, Jets said, drafting 100%. and time. So that's where you build around. You draft players to fit holes in your lineup. You don't just draft the best available players. You have to fill and address needs in your lineup. NFL style. Yeah, and Kevin Dayoff shout out, because he's hit home runs on the past three first-round picks. That guy's had. done nothing wrong. And two in 2015. Exactly. Jack Roslevic made his yeah. way into the lineup last year. Yeah. Two assists last night, I believe. Or the first in the first game. Yeah. No, it was Second last game, because, yeah, he, yeah, he replaced Matthew Perot. Anyways, getting back to my point here is, at the start of the year, I was kind of laughing at the Boston Bruins, because they had $21 million locked up in David Backus, David Krejci, and Patrice Bergeron. And now I look at them and say, why aren't the Senators spending money to keep their core pieces around? These are the important players that are getting you to the heights you need to go to find success. And you look at this team right now, they're spending money on those three guys. They're spending money on everyone around them, but you have to spend money to win in this league. And with the cap going up, do it now because it keeps climbing. And 
like I said, I was laughing at them a little bit that they had that much money locked up in three players. But as the cap grows, they're signed through 2021. So that's kind of... Now they're laughing at the league because they have their core and they almost have it on a dime. Yeah, and you didn't even mention Marshan on a pretty team-friendly deal as well. Um, let's go around quickly. Each one, one thing that you think Pierre Dorian, what should be a top his to-do list this summer? Figure it out. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, period. It, Move it on. Seems like you, but it seems like the easier thing to say. But make a plan and stick to it, Pierre. Right now, there's so many question marks. That whole season was a question mark. We're all thinking what just happened, and you have to figure it out. Come up with a game plan for the next 12 months, the next 24 months, and follow it to a T. That's all I have to say. Uh, For mine, this goes right to the special teams. Assistant coaches. Yeah, I'm glad you addressed this. You're you're gone. I'm sorry. Like, Guy Guy Boucher's got another year on his contract. We know the Sens are not fans of paying people to not do work for them. Heck, they're not even fans of paying people to do work for them. So you've got Guy Boucher with another year on his contract. Keep him. But the assistant coaches, they've got to go because the special teams have been so awful. The the power play, 16.6%. That's good for 27th in the league. The penalty kill, 76.2%. That's good for 26th in the league. And their home penalty kill was 73%. That's 30th in the league. And we so always we always see Boucher at that end of the bench with Martin Raymond. We never see him really talk with Mark Crawford on the bench. But when and then so it wasn't working when they started the year with I I forget who did what, but with one coach working on power play, one coach working on penalty kill. So they switched him. And it was even worse. So no matter what combo you do with these guys trying to take care of your special teams, it's not working. So these assistant coaches, there needs to be a change because special teams is such a crucial part of the game today. The most crucial part of any penalty kill, the goaltender. I know they went and got Gustafson. Huge pickup, but it's still not enough. He's years away. You need to have a couple more prospects just in case he doesn't work out. We saw the whole year went to crap because of what happened between the pipes and in the blue paint. You can't let that happen for any any longer. That's a valid point. I can get on that ship for sure. For me, it's just Mark Stone needs an eight-year contract. That's number one. When you commit to your most heart and soul player, then the other things will fall in place. That sends the message you want sent to your team. And I think to build off of that, if you buy out a guy like Gabrick who doesn't really have a... A strong voice, I would imagine, in the locker room just being there for a few months. I think that's like, okay, so wait, we're going to use that dead money and actually pay the core of this team because we believe in it and then fill in young players around that. So I think Pierre Dorian can really send the right message to his team by doing that, which seems like a perfect segue into our, maybe not our favorite segment, but we'll do it anyways. Here's Prairie Fire. back gentlemen good to be back all right so question number one i'm going to fire this one off to jermaine jeremy which coach team currently in the playoffs is on the hot seat if they get eliminated early or have a bad showing you're looking at hackstall in philly trots washington or laviolette i'm going off of that list i think in philly he's too new you'll get into one more shot bruce boudreau in uh, minnesota 
two how many playoff rounds has he been in how many playoff rounds has he been bounced all of them he's won a couple first rounds that's it if he doesn't get it done he's toast nice answer crazy stat too. boost brujo his teams have had over 100 points in eight of his nine regular seasons as a head coach and he's never done anything in the playoffs i find it i find it tough to fire a guy that lost his 25 minute 30 minute defenseman yeah fair fair enough now next question ross Hey. Asim Kadri is out for three games. <laughs> yeah, they're done. They're done. Hey, Chris Parliament, this is we are now at the start of day four of the playoffs. Bruins and two six. teams currently in a two O hole. Between Minnesota or LA, which one of these teams do you see being swept? Being swept? Uh Minnesota. I mean, this is a Winnipeg team that is kind hard. Of, kind of a wagon right now. We talked about their depth already, and this is uh this is a season where, yeah, you lose your twenty point your twenty minute guy on the back end. I mean, I'm kind of shocked. I like Minnesota, but if Eric Stahl doesn't have that big of a year, I don't even know if they were a playoff team in the West this year. So, I think Minnesota is tough. Thanks, Chris. Now, finally, Brandon Pillar, which former Canadian Junior A player do you think will have the greatest impact for his team this year's playoffs? Riley Smith, Zach Hyman, Josh Manson, or Danton Heinen? <laughs> you look so confused in there, pal. This is uh, this is Thank from le- left field. This it question, is prairie fire. Um, the whole thing's I'll, a field. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go with Riley Smith just because uh, Vegas they rely on those those scoring players in Marsha Show <laughs> and Smith. I'm still just so that question really threw me off. But I'm gonna go with Riley Smith. Man, how fun has it been to watch Marcia so become a pest in the postseason? That's been fun to watch. Thanks, guys. Great to be back. Thank- well, we'll have you soon for uh, Prospect Pick'em. But first, we got to talk about the Belleville Senators. And they were up 4-1 last night, and they lost 6-4. Uh, Philip Gustafson was in goal for that one. Although his numbers are still pretty good in six games as a Belleville Senator. He's allowed 15 goals and has a 919 save percentage. So he's still getting it done between the pipes. Uh, we mentioned Philip Schlappick still leading the team in scoring. He had a goal and assist in his return last night. Uh, Parley, what can you tell us on the farm here? Down on the farm. It's time to check in on the Belleville Senators. So we already checked in on the Belleville Senators there, so let's go even further down and let's talk about the guys in junior hockey. Aaron Luchuk and the Barry Colts have been eliminated from the OHL playoffs. Interesting note that Andre Sveshnikov, that was probably his last game we'll see before the draft. Obviously, this year's popular number two pick was just riding the coattails of Aaron Luchuk, and he's going to be a great player in the NHL. But Luchuk, in 12 games in the playoffs, put up 17 points, and he was a plus eight. Third, third in scoring in the OHL currently. Yeah, so not bad. Uh, moving over to the queue, friend of the show, Drake Batherson, is uh, putting on a show, currently riding an eight-game point streak in the playoffs. The sole point leader now in the QMJHL. I say that because he and teammate Elaine Alexandra, I don't know if I'm saying that cor- correctly, I hope I am, uh, he put on a show on national television last Saturday, I believe, put on four points on Sportsnet, and he's moving on. The Armada, the Armada knocked out Moncton. Tell me where they're from. Uh, Blainsville, Bournsburg. I can't. Blainsville, Boisbriand. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like what you said. Uh, yeah, Drake Bastin put up back-to-back four assist games. That was nasty, nasty stuff. I will say one note going back to the Belleville Senators. 
Oh, it's going to be tough to watch tonight. The Utica Comets are in town, and who's making their professional debut? Jonathan Dolan will be in the lineup for the Utica Comets tonight in Belleville. What a slap in the face that is. Those are all the prospects who are already in the organization, but with two first-round picks in this upcoming draft, we already talked about what we'd like to see in the early early pick, but what are we going to do with the Pittsburgh pick? The Ottawa Senators are proud to select. The Ottawa Senators select with their first selection. It's Sen Central Prospect Pickle. So, unless the Pittsburgh Penguins make it to the conference final, that pick will be in the 20 to 23 range. If they do, it'll be 28 to 31. They lost 5 1 last night, so let's go, Flyers. Let's get that pick as high as possible. But let's go around. We, I think, agreed that in the top five pick, you take best player available. That's it. Period. Yeah, Brady Kachuk, yeah. But later on, it's more about fit. Pillar, who's the pick? Let's say it's around 20 to 25. Well, my initial pick, we we talked about this guy a couple times on the show, Guelph Storm defenseman Ryan Merkley. Where he stands in the draft order is really confusing because... A lot of people recognize he has top five talent in lots of areas of his game, but there's some sort of attitude problem that teams are not liking, so he's moved down. Be interesting to see where he comes, uh, but he's a right-handed shot, so I like that. A little safer pick, uh, someone who should still be available. I'm not sure if it's Kalen or Callen, but Callen Addison. He played with the Lethbridge Hurricanes in the WHL. Right-handed shot. 5'10", 179 pounds. He had 65 points. This is a guy that can move the puck nicely. And hopefully, I'm looking at a guy to replace Cody Cece if he gets traded, which, again, hopefully happens. So a right-hand shot defenseman is who I want with that pick for sure. Yeah, I think he'll be off the board before that just with that natural talent. But you mentioned some attitude issues might push him back in the draft. I'm going to go with a big defenseman from the U.S. National team development program, a program that in recent years has developed players like Jacob Truba, Zach Wierenski, and Seth Jones, Keandre Miller. I don't expect that late pick to make the jump right away to the NHL, so I like he's already committed to University of Wisconsin for next year. He was a forward up until his 16-year-old season. It's only his second year playing defense, and he carries that offensive ability as a defenseman 24 points 50 games this year 22 penalty minutes plays hard and from the video i've seen can really use his speed to push defenders back ross you like keandre and i can't argue with that all i can do is raise you an inch and about give or take 10 pounds in matthias samuelson son of former nhler kajel samuelson and in talks with OLP Sports and Drake Batson, we've learned this year that that's a pretty big deal when you are around hockey your whole life it really adds to your hockey iq I like this defenseman. He's big. He's left shot. I've seen him ranked as high as 17th in some draft rankings, so I'm not sure what his plans were are for next season. Went to Western Michigan University last year. 28 points in 50 games playing for the U.S. U18 team. And on the U.S. National Team Development Program, he had 14 points in 23 games and was a plus 16. I like him. Levy, you said the U.S. have been pumping out a lot of defensive prospects. The Czech Republic have been pumping out some goaltending prospects. And I don't think that the Senators are going to get a 23rd round pick. I think they're going to get a 30th or 31st round pick. Pittsburgh is probably going all the way. 
With that pick, I want them to select a goaltender. I said it earlier, they need goaltending prospects. Jakob Skarik of HC Dukla. Six foot three, another big goaltender. Just keep pumping them in. Yeah, and goaltenders can always be used for trade bait as well. I uh, I have three names written down here. I'll, I'm oh, gonna, okay. Let's I'm just gonna, hear them all. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with one more though. Got nowhere Sarah, to be. Sarah Noel. He is six foot five, two hundred and one pounds. Where's imagine, he from? Imagine him on a line with Logan Brown in the future. Just a little bit of size. Where's he from? You tell me. Ottawa. Look at me, eh? Grew, grew up playing for the Ottawa Little Senators AAA. So. Uh, we know Dorian likes that, and he did have a really good year in Oshawa. Couldn't have said it better myself, bud. We'll be back in a couple weeks. The NHL Draft Lottery goes April 28th. Huge. I'm sure everybody Huge. will be watching that. Uh, I know they even have a downtown watch party in the market in Ottawa, so that's pretty hilarious and kind of sad at the same time. But we've had fun kind of giving a, a post-mortem of the Ottawa Senators for Chris Parliament, Brandon Pillar, Jeremy Houston, and Brendan Purdy. I'm Ross Levitan. We'll see you at the draft, baby. First overall pick, Rasmus Dahlin. Welcome to Ottawa, hopefully. See you then. I can't sleep. Ain't no sleep coming. I'm just lying here thinking.